0: Okay, tonight we're going to go ahead and and do a review on chapter 6 and what we've been studying. And what we have been studying for the last six weeks is a book called uh, Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. And this is written by Henry Blackerby and it's a 12-week study. And it's uh, kind of like a Bible, daily Bible study, day one, day two, day three, four, and five And then that covers a unit, and right now we're on unit 6. Should be, you may uh, may be behind a little, but you'll have time to catch up. Just don't give up. Just catch up. And you may get behind a day or two and think, well, I'll never get caught up. But you will, so let me encourage you just to continue to go through your book, regardless where we might be week by week. And so um, uh, last week... You know, we celebrated Operation Christmas Child in regards to uh, uh, funding our shoebox ministry, and so uh, thank you for taking part in that last last Sunday night. But we want to look at uh, Unit Six tonight, and then you'll be working on Unit Seven. Some of you uh, may some things happen here at the church, and we didn't meet uh, for this study on a Sunday night, so. You may be a week or two ahead, but, if, but right now we're going to go through uh, session six, unit six, tonight. And so uh, we'll uh, make sure you, you help me in the study, and so that way uh, we can uh, uh, learn from each other. Let's look at unit, uh, unit six. And the title of this unit is uh, God Speaks. In the scripture verse, Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. And that's taken from John 5, verse 19. Okay, if you would, uh, turn to page 114 in your book, and I'm going to thumb through some of this, and then if you'll help me by speaking up, speaking out, some questions. We'll go through this together. On day one, uh, you have a question on number four. It says, have you presently prayed for something and not received it or received something different? Briefly describe one of your experiences. Have you prayed for something? Are you praying? Now, we're talking about what happens when we pray. Have you prayed for something and you haven't received uh God hasn't answered your prayer, hasn't spoke to you in regards to what you were praying about. Um anybody? Anybody jot anything down on that? Okay, what'd you do, Kim? I was praying for the job I have now. Okay. And I really wanted to be at the elementary school, but God intended for me to be at the high Okay. That's right, that's good, and so did you when when you had that prayer answered at the high school, did you think after going through this up to this point, what did you see now why, and so when you were praying that god would would have you at the elementary school, but all of a sudden you seen God working at the high school, and you did what you yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and I, and I, think, you know, I understand go there really. yeah. but I you my prayers, like, so you didn't say Lord I don't want the high school I want the elementary school Yeah. put yeah. that's that's what Jude. That's what Judy does a lot. She don't argue. She just makes a statement. <laughs> yeah, and so we were learning. We were we were being taught this this past week that although we're praying for something, God may be working in another area, and we just you we just move to that. Don't don't worry about God has God always has something. A good forest. We got to remember that. Now try to explain to people: when you feel like something's been taken away from you, always remember God always has something better to replace that with. Yeah. So you're enjoying it now. So you think God was right in what He did? <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Thank you, Ken. That's what I'm talking about, bro, Philip. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't come yet. Yeah. But you still pray it. I'm still praying. Yeah. there's no way that
1: even though I've lived with her that I have any idea how much pain that body has been in. I can see it in her face so
0: many tests. Yeah. And that's that, that hurts too when you see your partner hurting and and really, you can't do anything yourself, or or you would do it. Well, um, yeah. Expect God to answer your prayers, uh, but but stay around with Him, wait on Him. Don't get in a hurry. Don't don't mark God off. Just stay with Him and and wait, and and He he'll, he'll answer. Uh, either that prayer request or something even better. Okay. Look, if you will, um, on page uh, 116 in your book, 116, just a review question. What was the most meaningful statement or scripture that you read on that particular day when we talked about what happens when we pray? Anybody? Yes. yeah so you you said you were saying lord you you learned that God will reveal it to you in his time, and uh, sometimes we get impatient, I know I do, and we want to know right then, but there's a reason you know through the scripture you'll find uh, you'll find this phrase you'll find um uh, in the beginning of time or another phrase would be what you would find um in the uh in the, in the appropriate time, or God just has his, God's not on our time, you know, we, we we look at time completely different than God, God doesn't look at time as we see time, we're, he's not in time, he's in eternity, and we, we're on a schedule, we've got this thing about a clock, you know, and it's good, it has its place, but God's on his own time and so we, we wait and we wait for him. On um, on page one sixteen, down at the bottom, the summary statements, it says this some summary statements. Oh God, if I ever give you a request and you and you have more to give me than I'm asking, counsel my request. It's kinda of like you did, Kim. Also, only the Spirit of God knows what God is doing or purposes in my life or Purposing in my life, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows what God's doing. Okay, God will let me know what He's doing in my life, when and if I need to know. Actually, that's somewhat what you were saying. Sometimes God's silence, God's silences, are caused by sin. Now, what does it mean by that? Sometimes God, we're not hearing God, and it's because of sin. Don't forget, sin is a barrier between us and God. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen: If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So we have to be careful to be confessed up in regards to our sin, or we won't hear from God, because our sin blocks that communication. Okay, so number eight on page 116, What are two possible reasons for God's silence when we pray? One being unconfessed sin. What's the other one? Diamond's not right, and then he's pre- he, yeah, and he's preparing something else new for us instead of what we're been praying for. He's got something better coming, and so right. And I have people to say, you know, why do why do you pray when God knows your needs already? You ever been asked that? Well reason we pray is because we're letting God know we, we are dependent on his sovereignty. We know he's sovereign God. He can do anything. And so we, we give testimony of his sovereignty when we pray and we seek and we ask from him. Sure, he knows what we need before we even ask. But by our asking, we're demonstrating, God, we're dependent on you. I'm dependent on you. And so it really gives testimony of his sovereignty. Look on, page, uh, look on day two. On day two, how does God normally speak to us? Now, up until this point of study, he speaks to us how? Speaks to us through his Holy Spirit by how? How does God speak to us? Do what now? Okay, so He speaks to us through His Word. Holy Spirit speaks to us through His Word. You'd be reading the Word, and all of a sudden it becomes more than just printed Word on paper. It kind of jumps out at you. That's the living Word, okay? It's not reading a magazine or a newspaper, but it just jumps out to you. That's, that's the living Word of God. So He speaks to us through His Word, but He speaks to us through prayer, As we pray, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, and he speaks to us through that way. It's not that we hear an audible voice. God can speak to us through an audible voice, but he speaks to us. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. You know, the Bible says his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God, that we're a child of God. So he speaks to us through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances. Whatever you're going through, just pause long enough to look around and see if this could be God working in and around you. And if he's working around you, what does that mean? That's what? That's an invitation for you to be a part of what he's doing. went to the ball game the other night, and uh, Phil Campbell and uh, uh, Jerry Be you all know Jerry Casberg. remember him perhaps, but uh uh, spoke to his wife and she had her back to me and I didn't know it was her and she turned around and I said, well, hey, how are you? And I said, how's Jerry? And she began to tell me he's in a real serious health, having serious health issues. Had a stroke back in March. He's lost over 100 pounds and um, Jerry was my next door, he was our next door neighbor for years. I knew him when he was in high school. And so, um, and we got to, talk, he's going on hospice next week. And he's very, very, very serious. And, and so, and, and while I was talking, I'm saying, God, are you working in this situation? What do you want me to do? I gave her my card. I said, see if you can line up a time that I can come by and visit with, with Jerry. Because I just felt like God was working there. And so he works in circumstances. But we have to pay attention to see where he's working. And when we see him working, that's our invitation to join him in whatever he's doing. So he's working, he speaks to us through his word, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church, through the body of Christ. Bible teaches that his Holy Spirit indwells every believer. And so you're indwelled, I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And so at times we need to seek uh, godly counseling and we can go to a brother and sister in Christ, and uh, God may have, may have spoken something to them that can re- they can relate to us, that will help us in what we're going through. So he speaks through, to us through the church, through other believers. And so, uh, but reasons uh, that we, that we uh, reasons for God's silence is that we have unconfessed sin, he's got something new going on, and so we have to, have to be careful uh, in regards to making sure our sins are confessed. And he normally speaks to us through prayer and through the Bible, through circumstances. Uh, turn, if you will, to page 118. I've got some things jotted down there. On page 118, um, I have a note on... Uh, What jumped out at me was this. What I want to do is not important. What God is doing is what's important. That's what I need to be doing. See, whatever I want to do, that's really not important. I'm not to go and try to start something for God. God's doing a lot. He's working every day, every day. So we need to see what He's doing, doing in our own personal lives, doing at the job site, do it in school, do it in the church, and then be a part of that. That's what he. That's what he wants us to do. Okay, be a part of what he's doing. Um, let me see. Look on page one hundred and nineteen uh, in the right column. It says, "Go to God and ask Him to show you His perspective on your circumstances." Now. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about that just for a moment. God's perspective on our circumstances. Uh, anybody, did you have any notes on that page? Did you jot down anything that that jumped out us about about God's perspective on your circumstances?
1: hmm you
0: know, it's may be Yeah. Yeah.
1: like, you know, said you with God's work, those
0: prayers come, doing Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good, B. Yeah, then you know, you get you know when that time comes. You know, you'll get a sudden urge. You'll know God's speaking to you. God's put a person on my heart last week, a young family. And I really need to go see them. I'll try to see them tomorrow. But God is, um, I don't know, he's, he, he's put them on my heart and mind. And I know He's working there. He's working with me. And so... Uh, but in God's timing, he'll urge us to do what he wants us to do, and we know it's God. You can tell it's God's voice. It's God's leading, okay? And we know that. Um, let me, uh, on page, um, I'm just going to jump in here on page 119. And, and so if you would just listen to this for a moment. Um, I'm going to look at page one eighteen. I'm sorry. Perhaps you began to question God's love or wisdom. Maybe you were afraid to to say He was wrong. Going back to what you were saying, Kim, uh, but you said, "God, you misled me and led me to believe that the right thing to uh, that was the right thing to do. Why didn't you stop me?" You know, we talked last uh, week before last about sometimes we'll blame God. We'll say, "God, you should have stopped me before I did that." You know, uh, a lot of times we'll uh, We'll blame God for not waiting on Him ourselves. If I had known things were going to turn out like this, and again, you can get into a spiritual difficulty if you look at God from the middle of the circumstance. Now we have to be whatever whatever we see happening in our life, and we're praying and asking God to to, to answer our prayer in regards to this certain circumstance. We have to be careful not to jump in in the middle, but we have to to try to see God's perspective. We know what our perspective is. But we have to see God's perspective on on page 119. Continue. What should you do? First, go to God and ask him to show his perspective on your circumstance. Look back at your circumstances from the heart of God. When you face confusing events, the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and help you understand your circumstances from God's perspective perspective. He will reveal to you the truth of your situation. And um, and so, you know, the author, he, he began to share about his daughter, Carrie, that had cancer, and they were praying one way about Carrie, but God was working another way in Carrie's life. You Remember what that was? He was, he was, we praying that Carrie would be healed, but God was using this to strengthen the prayer lives of individuals and churches and other people's prayer life had grown because they're praying for Carrie. Long story short, she, she, she got all right. She got much better. Uh, but at the same time, God used it in a completely different way than his, her parents were praying. They were praying one way. God was working in another way. So we need to see God's perspective uh, when we pray. Yeah. And then, um after you know, we could see that she wasn't gonna be healed. We just said, Lord, she's in your hands, just take care of her and just provide a medicine that she needs mm-hmm. to Yeah. And uh it took three medicines, but God provided the medicine and she's been in remission ever since. Yeah. So it's never gotten any worse and you can't explain that no more than it's God. Yeah. So, so don't don't look at your circumstances in the middle. Uh, Look for God's perspective in regards to uh, what He's what He's uh, trying to do. And look on page one twenty and talking about circumstances. Don't forget, there's a uh, look at the as you read this list. Circle a key word. When circumstances are confusing, notice what he says. Settle in your mind that God has forever demonstrated his unfailing love for you on the cross, and that love will never change. So if you're going through a crisis, just remember God loves you. Remember that. Number two, do not try to understand what God is like from the middle of your circumstances. Number three, go to God. Ask him to help you see his perspective on the situation, God. What are you trying to do here? What are you doing? I'm praying this and I don't see nothing happening. What are are you doing? Wait on the Holy Spirit. Number four, he may take God's word and help you understand your circumstances. Adjust your life to God and what you see him doing in your circumstances. God may be wanting you to do, wanting you to act in regards to what you're going through. Do, Do all that he tells you to do And number seven, experience God working in and through you to accomplish his purpose. And so God's perspective, what's his point of view about this situation? You know, we may all be up in the air, we may be worried and fearful, but what is God's perspective in it? That's what counts. That's what we need to try to understand. The summary statements, God uses circumstances to reveal to Jesus what he was to do. Um, Jesus Watch circumstances to know where the Father wanted to involve him in the work. And to understand my bad or difficult circumstances, God's perspective is vital. We have to know what God's trying to do in the situation that I'm going through right now, whatever that is. Look on day three, and uh, as we, the truth about circumstances. Um... Well, and, and God took care, that's, you know, you were praying one way, you were expecting God perhaps to work in that way, but he worked in another way. And, and so he, he'll do that. Uh, on page uh, 121, thank you, Brother Philip. It says, you cannot know the truth of your circumstances until you've heard from God. Your circumstance, what you believe they are, God, may have, God has a whole different... Uh, opinion of your circumstances so we have to remember the truth of our circumstances when you face confusing circumstances don't blame god don't give up following him go to god ask him to reveal the truth of your circumstances ask him to show you his perspective then wait on the lord radically orient your life to god the most difficult thing you'll ever have to do is deny self and take up the cross and follow him The most challenging part of your relationship with God is being God-centered. It's about what God is thinking, not so much of what we're thinking. It's His perspective. If you record a a day in your life, you might find that your prayers, your attitudes, your thoughts, your actions are intensely self-centered. You may not see from God's perspective. Rather, you may try to explain to God what your perspective is. And when he becomes the Lord of your life, he will all—he alone has the right to be the focus of your life, the initiator in your life, the director of your life. That's what it means for him to be the Lord of your life. And so we we ask ourselves the question: Is am I following the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life? I've turned my life over to him. He's my Lord. He has all power and authority and control in my life. So what's his perspective in what I'm going through? Okay. Um, On day four, let's talk about spiritual markers just for a moment. Spiritual markers. Sometimes a circumstance is a decision-making situation. Have you ever had to to make a tough decision? You say, well, what do I do? Which way do I go? Do I, do I quit seminary or do I go back home? Do I take a church? Uh, maybe do I change jobs? You know, I've been offered a, another job. What do I do? I've got to make this decision. And oftentimes those decisions are, are time-related. They've got to they know in three days if I want this job or not, you know. So what do I do? How do I, how do I make those decisions? And this is where spiritual markers come in. This has helped me tremendously in my ministry over the years. And I can give you some examples and will in just a few minutes. Sometimes the circumstances is decision-making situation. In a decision-making time, your greatest difficulty may not be choosing between good and bad, but choosing between good and the best. Not what's good, not what's bad, but what's best. What's best. What's best. And I went back and reflected over my my life, and and really a spiritual marker, it gives a good definition, uh, if I can find it. Um, He says, let me see, right here, he says, um, if you cannot say when you begin to seek God's will, you do not mean thy will be done. Instead, you mean thy will be done as long as it doesn't conflict with my will. You know, one of the hardest prayers to pray is the prayer that Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. That's a hard prayer to pray. Jesus was in the garden, remember, he was praying before the crucifixion, and, and he cried out to God, and he, he didn't want to die. He didn't want to go through the suffering of the cross. And he even prayed. Father let this cup pass from me. And it was he prayed so hard. That his brow. Began to. Sh- he sh- dripped blood. Sweated drops of blood. And But yet he came to a point. Where he said. Nevertheless. Not my will but your will be done. And that's a hard prayer to pray. But. When we do that, we're, we're surrendering everything to the person we say that has control over our lives, complete control of our lives. He wants the best for us, and so we're giving our lives, we're, we're trusting him, we're turning everything over to him. But he says, if you say no to God, then he's not your Lord. If he's really your Lord, your answer must always be yes. In decision-making, always begin at this point. Don't, uh, do not proceed until you can honestly say, whatever you ask me, Lord, my answer is yes. Whatever you ask me, my answer is yes. He goes on to say there's two words in the Christian language that cannot be used together. What were they, you know? Two words, no, Lord, no. If he's your Lord, it has to be what? Yes, 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 Lord. Two words that cannot be used in the Christian language. No, Lord. Because that's in direct disobedience to what God wants to do in our life, or wants us to do, okay? All right, make sure whatever you do is in line with God's purpose in the past. God always operates from the past, even to the present, and and we call uh, we call those things as we see God operating from the past to the present. We call those spiritual markers. And let me encourage you to jot down spiritual markers in your life. Let me let me share a testimony and how I've done that in the past, and decisions I've tried to make, and then. Where, uh, where I've messed up and uh, God's corrected me. When I began to, uh, and, and I think some of your homework was to sit down, you need to do this, sit down and go back and write down where you, you've started seeing God work in your life. Different things that you've noticed. God did this, and because of that, God did this, and because of that, God did this. And you can, you can trace your markers up to the present time. Let me give you, of how mine worked in years past. My name, I started with my name. as a spiritual marker. My name is Samuel, uh, dedicated to God. That's what my parents named me Samuel, dedicated to God. Both of my parents were Christians. That's a marker. My name was a marker. Both my parents were Christians. That's a marker. My dad's name was Billy Sunday Taylor. He was named after an evangelist, Billy Sunday, back in the 40s and 30s, 40s and early 50s. And so that's a marker. My name is Samuel, spiritual marker number one. Uh, my parents were Christians, spiritual marker number two. My dad was named after a great preacher, spiritual, spiritual marker number three. Both my parents served in the church. Spiritual marker number four. I was saved when I was 11 years old. So you see the the path I'm on. You see the path that I'm on. I, I was saved at 11 years old. I served the church as a teenager. I cut the grass every Sunday, every Wednesday. I turned on the heat or I turned on the air. Went down. That was my responsibility. That was my job. That's a spiritual marker. Then later on, I began to teach. I, I taught a discipleship training. That's a spiritual marker. Uh, uh, I married a Christian. I married Judy. Her parents were Christians. That's a spiritual marker, in line, in line. I was called to preach after we married. See that spiritual marker? I served in churches in, uh, in Tennessee Mississippi and Alabama. We served uh, at First Baptist Church. Um, Old Hickory, Tennessee, we had a, we had six school buses. We'd bring in almost 150 kids to 200 kids a Sunday. And uh, so we had a bus ministry. And I was a bus pastor on one of those uh, buses. Uh, uh, and what I did, I told a Bible study on the way back to the church and had prayer while the driver was driving. That's a spiritual marker. We left there and went to Tuscaloosa to, to work there with TGNY. And... and um, Attended attended a church where the pastor was the uh, vice president of the Mississippi Baptist State Convention. He was gone a lot, and so he would ask me to fill in. So I was filling in for him. And it was called to preach in Old Hickory before I went to Mississippi. It's a spiritual marker. God working in my life. Served in those churches, wherever they were. We served. We served together. Judy and I both served together. Then I was licensed to preach. And I preached my first sermon at Waco Baptist Church with her uncle, Johnny Holcomb, where he was the pastor. And then I, was, I came here, and the church called me to be their pastor in 1978. And then I started Northwest Junior College after we came back here, and I majored in social work because that was the closest thing to my ministry. You know, you can see the markers, see the markers. I I did my internship in an alcohol rehab center. did my internship uh, in hospital social work. Those are spiritual markers. And then I ran for Board of Education in 1984. What in the world did that have to do (laughs) with my spiritual markers? But at the time, I felt like I needed to do that. I felt like that's what God wanted me to do, but to be honest with you, I didn't go back and check out my spiritual markers. And so I, I, I won the election, and then I started the. Uh, I was started. They asked me to be their first social worker of the school system. I had five schools, and we set that program up. And God began to speak to my life. Now you've done what you needed to have done. Now it's time to. It's time to go full time back at the church again. But I look back at that, and I'm not saying that God didn't use that. Remember, it's hard to tell between the best and the, the best and the very best. God had something better, but I got sidetracked I'm not saying he didn't use that. He did. We have so many kids. But, I don't know if I'd ever run for the Board of Education if I'd went back and looked at my spiritual markers. So you're trying to make a decision in your life, sit down and write out your spiritual markers to see if the decision you're fixing to make is falling in line with what God has done in the past. He works from the past up to the future. It might be retiring, whatever it is. But jot down your spiritual markers. Go back and work on that. Get caught up on them. And you'd be surprised in how you can see God just leading you through life. Really good. So work on your spiritual marker inventory. and, And go back. I went back to my name. You may not have to go back that far. You may not go back that far. But work on your spiritual markers. Okay, very... Very, very important. Look, if you will, on uh, day five. Day five. God speaks through the church. Okay? The body of Christ. Listen to this. One problem, this is on page 128. One problem, one problem many churches face today is they have so emphasized the doctrine of the priesthood of believers. They've lost their sense of corporate identity. Now, I know the Bible teaches that we're all priests. We don't have to go to a priest to to go and confess our sins. We have direct communication with the Father. Uh, We don't have to answer to a priest. We are are part of the priesthood of the church. We we are our own priests. We can talk to God. We don't have to go to a priest. We are a priest. We can talk to God. We can communicate with God. We can ask God to forgive our, our sins without going to a priest in a, in a church and asking the priest to get in touch with God for us. Now, we're all priests before God. But what's happened is we've, we, we concentrate so much on the priesthood that we've lost the importance of being a corporate identity as the body of Christ. We're members of the body of Christ. You know, Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians when he talks and he compares the, the, the church to a human body. Not everybody's an ear, not everybody's a head, not everybody's an arm, but God has placed us individually in the body of Christ where we can serve and work and edify and build up the church. Every person is important in the body. Now, everybody, every person that's a member of the body is important, okay? That's part of the body of Christ. So God places every member in the church to accomplish his redemptive purpose through that congregation. You know, God's at work. What's he, on, what's he, what's he doing? He's trying to win a lost world to himself. How is he doing that? He's using the local church, to do that. Now, first he called on a group of people, his people, the Jews, the chosen nation, to to uplift and edify their God. But they failed in doing that because they rejected the Messiah. And so he turned to the Gentiles. And instead of uh, having the sacrificial system, God changed to the Gentiles, and he offered salvation by faith and by grace. And he's using Gentiles instead of his chosen people because they rejected the Messiah. He's using the Gentiles to reach a lost world to himself. And so the church is a major part of that, the body of Christ. You know, the preacher can't do it by himself or the deacons can't do it by themselves, but we come together to reach a lost world to the gospel of Jesus Christ. A church is a body, the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head over every local church. And God places every member in the body as it pleases Him. The Holy Spirit manifests Himself to every person for the common good. The Father fits together uh, the whole body, and the Holy Spirit enables and equips the members to function where the Father has placed them in the body. And the body builds itself up until every member experiences the fullness of Christ. God made us mutually dependent. We need one another. What one lacks, others in the body can supply. So what God is doing in and through the body is essential to my knowing how to respond to him. When I see him working in my church, my local congregation, I immediately adjust, I adjust and I put my life in that place too. In the church, I let God use me in that way. He chooses to complete his work through other members. And this is why Paul said, We proclaim him a, a warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul constantly asks believers to become virtually involved, uh, vitally involved with his life in ministry. The effectiveness of Paul's ministry rested on them, rested on the church. And so we're all in this together, and we're working to see a lost world come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It takes every member of the body to do that. Now, I like what he said on page 129. It says, apart from the body, you cannot fully know God's will for relating to God's people. It's important to be in the body. If you're in the body, it's important to be faithful to the body because you cannot know God's will apart from the body. Because we're working together to accomplish what He's doing. is to see a lost world come to Him. So the body is very, very important. Very important. On the summary statements here, on page 130, it says a church is a body, the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the local church. God places every member in the body as it pleases Him. You know, uh, Maynard, Deborah, uh, Chris, Deb, that came today, united with this congregation, and 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 when people come to do that, you know what I ask? I ask. I ask the Lord, I'll, I'll say, God, what do you have for them to do here in the body? They, they sent them for, He sent them here for something. They have something we need to build up and to edify the body. And so when someone is, someone, uh, is saved and God brings them into the body, or someone moves into town and wants to unite with this body of believers, God is sending them here to help reach a lost world to Him. And so each one of these, and I shared with them recently, they have a special uh, special, uh, spiritual gift that was given to them at their spiritual birth. They have gifts given to them at their physical birth and they can use their spiritual gifts, whatever that is, teaching, working with children, the gift of helps, whatever it is, in and that, and that spiritual area, and put that along with their natural ability, whatever that is, that's even more, they're more able to edify and to build up the body. And it's, 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 it's us coming together, working and serving in the way that God has gifted us spiritually and physically, to win a lost world to him. You know, uh, this coming, I guess another month, December, we'll have the drive-through nativity. It takes over a hundred people to put that drive-through nativity on. One person can't do it. Ten people can't do it. it. But we come together as the body. And think how many people we reach as they drive through that nativity and they hear about the Messiah that was born. And they end up hearing how the Messiah died and died on the cross for their sins. And Think how many people we reach. Five, six hundred maybe or more. But see, we all come together as the body. And so the body of Christ is important. Um, And working and serving in the body. Uh, I've been talking with an individual and... and, um, uh, they'd not been to church in a long time, and and they never had a positive thing to say about their congregation. And and then they go here recently. They went and they said, "I can't believe they're doing this. I've never." Seen. And they were so happy to say, "I'm thinking they've been doing that for a good while." You just have not been. You just have not been. You see, the church goes on without me. Or without you. We think. Uh, you know, we think the church can't do without us. Look out there in that cemetery of all our competitors. They, the church can do. God raises up other people, preachers, what have you. But while we're here, we need to be committed to the body. If you would, I want you to see this uh, video. We'll close out with this. And uh, Kyle get that for us. Short video, I think 12 minutes maybe. having to do with this chapter 6, or unit 6.
2: I want you to imagine with me that behind me is a stunning mountain range, a beautiful, breathtaking lake. You can see that dimly, but clouds and rain and mist has rolled into this place. We actually made some great plans to make this video with some amazing backdrops and scenery and nature, but we made our plans and we arrived in the morning to torrential rainfall. Sometimes our plans are like that. You make plans and you think you have everything worked out and then things become confusing. You don't see them clearly. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. He knows the truth. You could look back there and say, just nothing back there, just a lot of mist and cloud. If you ask Jesus, he'd say, there's actually some beautiful scenery there. You just can't see it clearly today. Because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. God knows what is reality we don't always see it very clearly. And as we're talking about the way God speaks, we're looking at the fact that God speaks through our circumstances. Sometimes circumstances can be confusing. The mist rolls in, we don't see it very well. Do you remember in Mark chapter four, the disciples were in a boat on a lake with Jesus and all of a sudden a storm rolled in. And their conclusion was, we're perishing, we're dying. Of course, you never know the truth until you've heard from the truth, Jesus. Jesus knew that that wasn't the case. In fact, while the disciples feared for their lives, Jesus' plan was for his disciples to experience him in a fresh, profound, new way like they'd never experienced before. That was the difference. And so as you're experiencing your own circumstances, you always need the truth, Jesus, to help you understand them. Circumstances are events in your life that God interprets for you and communicates truth to you and works in your life through those circumstances. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it's talking about the cross. It says that uh, to those who reject the gospel, to those who are perishing, the cross seems as foolishness to them. And certainly of all the circumstances in human history, the cross must be the most confusing. For those who look at it from a human perspective, they would say, God sent His only Son to His creatures to save them, but they rejected Him. They crucified Him, they spit in His face. What a failure, what a disaster. And yet if you ask God, He would say, the greatest work ever done in human history was done there at the cross. Every eternal purpose that God had was accomplished through the cross and then the resurrection. You never know the truth of a circumstance until you've heard from God. And of course, as you as you go through life, uh, there will be open and closed doors. At times, a door will seem open to you, and you'll think, oh, I've got this job opportunity. I've got a wedding proposal. Uh, I have an opportunity to do something. And we'll just assume, <clears throat> I guess it must be God's will because it's um, it's available, it's an opportunity. And I've had people actually say, well, if a door opens for me, I'm just going to start proceeding forward and say, God, if you don't want me to go through this door, just close the door. Of of course, that's not a biblical pattern. God will let you walk through the wrong door if you don't seek him. You see, if all you had to do is go through open doors and not go through closed doors, you wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need a relationship with him. All you'd have to do is recognize an open door when you saw one. Of course, that's how unbelievers and atheists live their life. They go through open doors. They don't go through closed doors. But for a Christian who walks with the Holy Spirit, we need the spirit of truth to help explain to us the doors that are before us, the opportunities. That's what happened with the Apostle Paul. Remember in Acts chapter 15, he actually had a a rather sad disagreement with his friend Barnabas, a conflict. And you, you might look at that and say, what a terrible, disappointing thing to include in the book of Acts. But of course, uh, that separation meant that now you had two missionary journeys and Paul took Silas with him. And, and then you remember they, they set out and before long they get to Troas and, and, and Paul wants to go into Asia, but the door keeps closing. But every time God closes a door, that, that's not necessarily a, a no from God. It just means it's a yes somewhere else. And God says, no, I'm closing the door to Asia because I want you to go into Europe. And the gospel will now enter Europe and all of the West because of a door that closed in Asia. And you remember they get to Philippi and, and again, there's no synagogue that he can find. It seems like there's a closed door, but he goes down to the, to the river and finds a, a prayer meeting, finds some people there that become the nucleus of a church. And remember then he, he, he sets a, a girl that's, uh, that's demon-possessed free from her bondage. And instead of God seemingly opening doors, they end up in prison. And what keeps seeming like a closed door becomes a brand new opportunity. And God says, no, I wanna, I wanna deliver this jailer uh, and his family and help him become a part of a new church that will be formed. And the church in Philippi ultimately becomes one of Paul's favorite churches, one of his most loyal, supporting, and, uh, and prayerful, and encouraging congregations that he ever starts. What seemed like a closed door, once God explained it to Paul, he realized it was a huge open door for him and great opportunities. Uh, And so as you face your circumstances, always let God explain those to you and he will interpret them if you'll let him. I remember one time speaking to some business people and one of the businessmen said, Richard, you blackabees are always saying that God guides you to make decisions. But he said, I was looking for a job recently and i had a job opportunity it was from a company that did did not have the kind of values that i knew were really christ-like and he said i was uncomfortable but but they were offering a great wage and it would have been a prominent position so i said god if you don't want me to go through this door let me know but he said god never spoke and so finally the deadline arose and i and i accepted it i took the job and he said immediately i knew that was a mistake it was a very painful exit I had to make ultimately from that company. And he said, but God never spoke. And so I said, well, did you ever talk to your wife about this job opportunity? He said, oh yeah, she was against it from the beginning. Uh, I said, well, did you, did you have anyone you were praying with? Anyone in your church? He said, yeah, I have a group I meet with and, and several of them raised some red flags. But he said, but none of them have ever led a company of that size. They don't really know what's involved with that. I said, did anyone else say anything? Did you read anything in the scripture? Did you hear something in a sermon? He said, well, one day my 15 year old son just out of the blue said, dad, you're not gonna take a job at that company, are you? He said, but he's a 15 year old. He said, "Uh, what would he know about leading a major company like that? And I looked at him for a moment and then just said, so you asked God to guide you in what to do and what to to know in, in terms of God's will. And then you ignored every message God sent. And I'll never forget the look on his face as he realized God had been speaking. God had been warning him. He just hadn't known how to recognize God's voice. Well, secondly, and that is that God also speaks uh, through people. And we'll unpack this throughout the book, but uh, especially God speaks through his own people to others. Uh, in fact, in uh, John 13, 20, Jesus said, those who receive those I send receive me and uh And you have to understand that the Holy Spirit dwells within every believer. So every time you encounter a Christian, you're also encountering the Holy Spirit within that believer. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, talks about the body. And every member is a part of the body. And and that's why it's so important for you to be a part of a church congregation, a, a body of believers from whom you can hear what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. I remember several years ago, my children were all teenagers. And uh, there was a Youth Sunday at our church and, and there was a young man named Mitch that was a volunteer. He was in his early 20s. He worked with the teenage boys and the, and the girls and, and, and the program. And uh, he got up during that service, just made a 30 second little speech, just encouraging the adults and saying how wonderful the teenagers were in the church. And, um, and of all the things that the teenagers did in that service, what struck me most was that 30 second taught by Mitch. I was a seminary president at the time And I just felt like the Lord said, you should go encourage Mitch. Now, normally at a Youth Sunday, you go and encourage all the teenagers, but I felt led to encourage the teenage worker. And so I went over to him and said, Mitch, listen, when you spoke this morning, the spirit of God just did something in my heart. And I just feel like you need to consider whether God wants you to be in ministry, whether you should go to seminary and get training. He just stared at me, didn't didn't respond, didn't say a thing. I thought maybe he didn't hear me he just looked at me finally i just walked away i thought boy did i get that wrong um, later that day i got a call from him he said i'm so sorry I, I have to apologize he said i know that was awkward for you but he said you have to know what's been happening he said as i've been working with the youth he said god's been putting a burden for youth in my heart and i began to sense that maybe god wants me to be in ministry but he said that terrifies me he says i'm just a worker at a just a local company i I don't know that i could do that and he said but it's been getting more and more intense and he said this week i i've just felt god speaking so powerfully that i just finally said to god last night god if you want me to be in ministry or go to seminary you're going to have to just make it very clear to me and he said this morning you came up to me out of the blue and said you were so impressed by what the spirit was saying and should i consider that he said it just so shocked me that i could ask god for guidance and direction and then I could have Richard Black could be standing in front of me saying, I'd love to meet with you and talk about what God's doing in your life. He said, I want to do that. When can we meet? And he did go to seminary. He did go into ministry. I don't say that to boast about myself. I was just one of the members of the body that God spoke to. I don't know what circumstance you're facing. I don't know what storm clouds might be coming in upon you, what rain may be pouring upon you. But uh, if you're in a Confusing circumstance, this is a time to get around the people of God and to go to the way, the truth, and the life and say, Help me to understand your purposes, your ways in the midst of what I'm going through right now in my life. Mike, I think one of the most important things for a Christian today is to know and how to recognize God's voice and of course, there are people today who would teach that God doesn't speak today, that you, he did in the Bible, but he doesn't now. The problem is there's nowhere in the Bible that says that. Uh, in the Bible, our guidebook for the Christian life, he speaks all the time. And there are others who would say, yeah, but but some people have claimed God said things and they've abused that. And of course, that's true. People have also abused the Bible. That You don't stop using the Bible because it's been misapplied sometimes. That's why we've taught these last two units to say, you've got to understand how God works through these. And certainly when it comes to God speaking through people or circumstances, there's a lot of confusion about that. And and sometimes people say, well, I have people coming and they've got an opinion about what I should do with my life, but how do I know that this is from God or not? It could be very confusing. And so there's several ways, I think, if God is speaking to you or someone is coming and saying they have a word from God for you, I think there's several things you can do to safeguard yourself. And of course, if someone comes and says, well, I think God wants you to do this, one of the first things you have to do is we'll we'll measure the source. Who's saying this? If 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 a college male student comes to a young college female and says, I think it's God's will for you to marry me, There might be some bias there. There might be some
3: ulterior motives.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And so when someone comes and has a word for you, the first thing, of course, you have to measure, well, who's saying this to me? What's their walk with God like? And I know you've had some great experiences with that in your life.
3: Yeah, so when we were uh, considering moving from Atlanta uh, to Canada to plant a church, uh, we had several people come up and confirm things that we had been praying for. And, uh, and it wasn't just anybody who would come up and confirm these. I remember praying at our prayer meeting one evening and uh, going down, nobody else knew that we were even considering moving to plant a church and praying and saying, God, would you give me direction on, are we supposed to, to do this? And as soon as I'm done, uh, a man in the church comes up to me and says, look, I don't know all of, of what your circumstances are, but, but God has told me, that he has a new assignment for you, and your answer to him is, yes, Lord. Mm. And as I considered who it was, this is a man that God had radically changed, and I had seen fruit in this man's life. I knew that he walked with God. I knew that his wife walked with God. I knew that his wife was one who who prayed, and uh, she also confirmed the same thing. And so when you hear that from people like that, all of a sudden, you, you take that seriously because you trust their walk with God.
2: And I, I I always encourage people, if you're looking for counsel maybe you present an issue that you're facing, like a job opportunity or something, if people immediately tell you what they think and they haven't prayed, they haven't... Considered it. Be careful of someone who always knows has an answer for your life. Uh, check their walk with God. But also, it also if someone, if you feel a message is coming to you through a person or a circumstance or through your prayer life or the scripture, also always place that next to your spiritual markers of all the things that God's already done at that point.
3: Yeah, well, as we continue to try and uh, figure out, is, is God leading us to plant a church? Uh, something came to mind that I hadn't thought about in years. That when I was just a teenager, uh, I heard a preacher preach something called the 2020 vision about planting a thousand churches across Canada by the year 2020. Mm-hmm. At this time, it's, it's year 2017, and I'm uh, considering these things. And uh, as, as we're considering planting a church, I remember back to that time, and I remember so clearly as a teenager, God speaking to me saying, you're going to be a part of making that happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I hadn't even been called into ministry yet. I was 15 years old, thinking like, well, how in the world am I going to be a part of that? And all of a sudden, as we're considering planting a church, I'm remembering back, to something that had happened almost 20 years ago, uh, a marker in my life of what God had said yeah. that, uh, that made sense in the context now of what we were considering doing.
2: In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the body and the way it's interconnected with one another. And, and there might be an eye, an ear, and they only see the way that they're gifted to see. They, they only get, have a part of the picture, perhaps. And oftentimes when God speaks to other people, you may not get the full message through one person. They may just tell you apart it's it's almost like just putting the puzzle pieces on a table and you've seen this here and you pray you, you saw this scripture there and this person said this and so you you sort of not any one thing might not give you the clear picture of god's will but 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 as you're spiritually sensitive and connecting the dots you put it all before you and then you begin to see a picture in a direction de- uh, developing
3: well that's why all these different ways uh, that we've been talking about of how God speaks, they all work together. And so it's not necessarily just one or the other, it's all of these things uh, seem to confirm uh, whatever it is you feel God is leading you to do. And uh, and if any of those things seem to, to be giving you red flags, those are those are uh, things to pay attention yeah. to because they will all
2: confirm together. And I remember when you your first call to the West Coast was not the, where you ultimately went,
3: yeah, well, I, I remember uh, very clearly uh, taking a moment to pray. Uh, and I, I realized I was comfortable where I was. I was looking at... Uh, you were near your parents. I was near you guys <laughs> and, and the rest of our family. Had a, had a job at a great church um, with, with great opportunities that were being offered to me, and, and and that sort of scared me. I said, I'm pretty comfortable. And uh, when you get comfortable, you worry if an opportunity for, uh, for God to take you to do something else comes, would I even consider it? Because because I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. And so I prayed, uh, specifically at one moment, said, God, if you have something different for me, please make that obvious to me because I don't wanna get so comfortable that I don't continue to follow where you lead. And it wasn't uh, but just a few days after that, that I get a call from the west coast of Canada, somebody saying, would you consider uh, moving to the west coast? And, And you're right, it turns out that that specific opportunity didn't ultimately end up being what we did but that's what began to move our hearts towards it and so it was part of that process Uh, even if that didn't end up being the end destination God used that to start moving us and it was a a trusted source that I believe God used uh, as part of the process.
2: Hearing from God is so absolutely crucial to the Christian life and God loves you He wants you to experience abundant life. He knows how to get you into that place, but you're gonna have to be aware of how he speaks. You're gonna have to be spiritually sensitive to hear what he's saying and, uh, and to be alert to perhaps falsehood that might come as well. But if you'll listen to him, he will guide you like a good shepherd right into the very center of his will and his activity, and you'll live the most amazing life you possibly could.
0: up you pretty well know that you're that you're going in the right direction and also those spiritual markers and the first thing you do is is take your concern take your concern to jesus and ask jesus to to help you to guide you for his holy spirit to be your guide and uh, he will but then check back in with him from time to time and see uh, if he has other plans, or see if he's going in another direction. So we're going to close with this song. Take it to Jesus. So uh, this this is what we want to do. Cal.